Welcome to the Elder Hour podcast, where we discuss the history of plants from a magical perspective. We'll be exploring the history, lore, and mystical properties of a new plant every single week. I'm your host, Juliette Diaz, an indigenous Taino bruja and seer from a long line of medicine women and men. I have a master's of science in herbal medicine, best-selling author of Witchery, Embrace the Witch Within, and founder of Plant Coven. And I'm your host, Chelsea Selby, owner of occult bath and body brand, Witch Baby Soap, college-educated holistic health practitioner, and lifelong witch. Welcome to our episode about cranberry. We have lots of interesting and surprising stuff to talk about on this episode. Um... Uh, let's just start by saying that there's not a lot on this. I had to do some digging and so did Juliet to find what we found. Yeah. A lot of digging. It's not so, not a lot of cheese and mace surrounded by cranberries, but we got a whole lot of magic for you. Yeah. The cranberry is very elusive. (laughs) Um, so I found different sources saying that was ruled by Mars and Saturn Okay, so me too. The reason why is because um, as a as a juice, it's also very powerful, um, and it has its own medicinal quality. So it would count as element water as mm-hmm. a juice, and then as for fire, um, when it's a berry. So that yeah, I saw that it was fire too. Yeah, so it could be that the I could see Saturn because of the water aspect, and then Mars for the berry. Yeah. Also lots of red things are usually Mars. That's like a Mars property. If it's red, like roses when they're red are are Martian, but but all the other colors are not. So like, like we spoke about on previous podcasts, um, things can have multiple planetary influences, not just one thing, just like crystals. They have like multiple associations and different parts of the plant can also be different associations. Mm -hmm. So the redness is where I'm thinking that the Mars is coming in from. Do you want to start? So yes, I want to start because it actually starts way back when with Native Americans using it, um, especially the Lenape Indians of New Jersey. Um, they called the cranberry paking, meaning bitter berry. And they were used for food, for medicine, um, for dyeing, um, you know, like their clothing and rugs. And the symbol was of peace and friendship. And this is something that actually went, it trickled all through all Native American tribes where um, the cranberry was very sacred to them because it goes to a story that they have. Um, Actually, I have the name of the book here. It's The Legend of the Cranberry. In their story, it was gifted by great spirit. So for them, the cranberry is also a big symbol of their medicine and um, spirituality. Oh, that's really cool. Um, this area that, that I live in actually has like a, um, a very like strong Lenape influence and we have like a Lenape park and then we have um, Unami Park in my town, which is one of the three regions of the Lenape people known as the people down the river. Yes. And they teach Gia's... Um, classes about uh the the local tribe too so it's interesting if you see a park um named by a native american tribe that means it used to be named that um but because there's so many activists and making sure that things are being renamed back to their old names um the lenape actually have a really strong 
um, a group of people who are fighting for them and, and, and what was theirs and their land. So if you have that park, I would like, literally, I want to go. Um, yeah, next time you're here, I'll, I'll take you. There's yeah. two parks, actually, the Unami Park and um, the Lenape Park, which is a trail that you can walk on. It's really nice. Yeah, that's why, because a lot of the times, because like, I do activism for indigenous people, um, and the things that we get to go through first are those lands that they had proof had a, a sort of a really significant sacred or holy meaning. So if they already have the names, that means that there was a lot of energy there. There's a lot of energy there that we could work with for healing, especially. Yeah. And, and, um, Unami being people down the river is definitely true because like the, the town of Cranford is known as like people just jokingly refer to it as the Venice of New Jersey, because we have so many rivers that go through here and -hmm. it's like very like, swampy at some parts too so it's kind of cool yeah i love the swamp all i believe like all the swamps of new jersey have a big um like energy and and sacredness to them because of how um native americans um use those particular um environments so oh yeah for sure there's definitely like a very strong energy in swamps like in general i love when people who are like not live nowhere near a swamp call themselves a swamp witch too i know no that's (laughs) hilarious no you know (laughs) well you know um i don't know if you're okay with me sharing but i did um smoke a little bit cannabis but i'm okay i'm a grown-ass woman um and it's legal here in new jersey but it's just I'm a little too truthful, I think. So sorry if I'm being mean today in this episode. But yes, swamp witches, you need to live by a swamp. It's just not because we're trying to be like, you know, that's a must or a rule. It just makes sense to, for you guys to work with what your environments um, and what's available to you and what makes sense energy-wise next to you. Because swamp energy, honestly, if you don't um, live by one or you've never even been to one, the energy is, it's like, deep and dark, right? There's a lot of shadow elements to it. I love it. Where I grew up in New Jersey, uh, I grew up in central Jersey, which by the way is a place. And uh, I grew up by the swamps over like Union Beach, Hazlitt area. And I used to play like in the woods and the swamps and my mom's friends would take us out on the boats, like into these like swampy, marshy areas. Yes. There's just, it's so magical. Yeah, that's where we go. We both live in New Jersey, so um, swamps is pretty much part of our lives. Um, I'm obsessed. I go all the. I'm like my one of my favorite things to do is see the frogs and the toads. That's my favorite. Yeah, favorite animals. Um, But the swamps here in New Jersey are super swampy. Also, if you complain about how bad New Jersey smells, I don't think you get to call yourself swamp witch either. (laughs) (laughs) That's my other rule. You know what's awful? It's not New Jersey's fault. New Jersey's actually really beautiful. We have everything in New Jersey from mountains, rivers, waterfalls, swamps. Um, It's the stupid factories that they have up. And it's something that, you know, I know there's activists trying to... um, hone down on that because it's just ridiculous. Well, not even where I grew up. It's not, it's not the smell of factories. It's just the smell of like, it's, it honestly, it smells kind of like a mermaid vagina. It's just swampy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <sighs> Oh 
God, cranberry. You know, when we get to cranberry magic, you're going to understand probably why this energy is so relatable to what we're going to talk about. Because it's in magic, it's a very, I could say it has that swamp energy to it. As a matter of fact, cranberries, they're over water. Yeah, they're they're also known as bog berries in yes. like uh in Europe. Yeah, for sure. So I could see and and then the energy it draws. I could see when we get to the magic part, um the energy that the cranberry draws in, it does pull from like that underwater um depths of energy kind of shit and I really I really love that about it. As well as pulling from the sun. Do you get that like feeling the pull of the sun with the cranberry? Um, I, you know what, that's the thing about the swamp, I think, is it's just like a whole, uh, and, and bogs and marshes and all that stuff is, is they're just like a culmination of like all life, like lots of dying, but also lots of living. Yes. You know, that's also yeah. why New Jersey smells so bad. <laughs> There's a bunch of dead shit in the marshes. Um, so uh, the other thing I wanted to say is, speaking of swamp witches, you also don't have to label yourself as a specific type of witch. And we haven't talked about that on this podcast yet, but like a lot of people are like, what, what kind of witch am I? What should I call myself? And I'm like, oh, just a witch. Yeah, definitely buy my book, guys. <laughs> I literally stripped that apart for you in witchery, um, Embrace the Witch Within, where you know you don't have to identify as anything. I mean, you can if you want to, if you're comfortable with that. But for me personally, and a lot of people that I've taught with the school, um, trying to identify as something is something that could end up breaking you because we're not supposed to fit into just one thing, right, Chelsea? Yeah, you don't have to put yourself in a box. No, that's the worst thing you can do for yourself, for your manifesting, for your magic, for your for your own self power is you know trying to um, really. Tr- hone down on describing who you are, putting yourself in a title and like a small description. That's why I hate my bio. Every time a news, an interview from a magazine or TV, they're like, the first thing they ask for is an updated bio. And I'm like, I fucking hate this part. I hate, um, having them just like judge me off of like a few titles and shit like that. They describe my whole life and experience. I love that meme. That's like, Tell me about yourself. And it's like, do you want to know my favorite color or my drama? What the fuck? <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I've seen that one. Uh, okay, so speaking of trauma, I have a whole story here about yes. crazy as shit. So um, in in Sweden, the, the cranberry is, is basically the lingonberry. And they almost look completely identical. I think lingonberries are just a little bit smaller. Um, but they're both in the vaccinium family. So they basically can be used interchangeably. They grow in the same environments. Um, the lingonberries are, interestingly enough, used on the crowns for St. Lucia Day. And St. Lucia Day is one of the most popular traditions next to midsummer in Sweden. And the lingonberry sauce is a Swedish food staple as popular as ketchup is in the United States. So it's very important to the, the Swedish culture. Um, Despite St. Lucy being an Italian saint, St. Lucia Day is most commonly celebrated in Sweden and Norway, and only some parts of Finland and Italy. Monks brought this story to Sweden when they brought Christianity to the region. And it's likely that you've seen this imagery before associated with St. Lucia Day, 
Because on the, that day, women dress in white dresses with a red sash and a crown of evergreen, lingonberries, and candles. Uh, I love this folk image, by the way, and like current, I just love the way it looks. Uh, boys dress up as star boys. It's basically, they dress in white with these wizard-like hats that look like wizard Mickey hats with stars on them. And they carry stars on sticks. So it's very like light and magic. But then I was like, okay, well, who is St. Lucy and why is she celebrated? So what I found is that St. Lucy is a fourth century virgin martyr and she's the patron saint of Syracuse, Sicily, and also of virgins. Her father dies early in her life and her mother arranges a marriage to a pagan man despite her being a Christian and she has pledged herself to chastity basically. She gives her dowry to the poor and tells her mom that she's not marrying this guy. So the the suitor reports her to the authorities and they try to sentence her to a life of prostitution. So then divine intervention supposedly occurs and no amount of men could move her. Then they try to lay her on fire and she didn't burn. And then she was stabbed in the throat and her eyes were gouged out. (laughs) And in some stories, uh, stabbing her in the throat doesn't even work to keep her from talking. Uh, And then in other versions, she gouges out her own eyes instead of marrying this man, which, I mean, if I was being forced to marry a man I didn't want to marry, I'd probably gouge my own eyes out too, honestly. Um, But in the the stories, whether she gouges them out or they get gouged out, they're restored by God. So another thing that I found super interesting about this is that her feast day is December 13th. And that's interesting because Lucy comes from the Latin word for light. Lucy or Lucia is the feminine form of Lucius. And all of these stem from lux or loose, you know, light, mm-hmm. including Lucifer, the light bringer. So you have that like light in their names. And I found this interesting that she is on the 13th because of its connection to female goddesses, uh, also Juliet, I think you'll find this interesting, but when I was reading Judica Eilie's encyclopedia of mystic saints and sages, it says that her favored people are those born on the 13th and who don't need eyes to see. Nice. Hey, that's me. Both of them. AKA clairvoyance. <laughs> so I was, I was born on the 13th. So I was like, whoa, this, this is this is Juliet right here. <laughs> and I'm a seer. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Um, and then it also, if you want to read more about um, Friday the 13th and the demonization of Friday the 13th, the Hood Witch usually posts something every Friday the 13th about it. So you can go to her Instagram and check that out. Um, but and I also want to talk about uh, because we're touching on virginity and all of that stuff. And I know, you know, a lot of women listen to this podcast and that's like a big, like patriarchal bullshit thing that we all have to endure or whatever <laughs> in our lives. Um, so these stories always like have a tendency to rub me the wrong way. But for some reason I didn't like this story didn't rub me the wrong way. Because of the virginity thing, right? Yeah, like anything that like glorifies virginity or whatever. Um, like like 
the archetype that you see in basically every movie, like Taken with Liam Neeson, where his virginal daughter gets sold into sex slavery for a large amount of money. But then she gets saved, and then he just leaves her friend, like drugged up and abused, like whatever, who cares about her? <laughs> like, and everybody's like, oh my God, amazing movie. <laughs> you know, like, I legitimately fucking hate that shit. Um, but so like, the, it seems like whenever we're like talking about these, like archetypes, the stories are that are supposed to be meant as cautionary tales seem more like a threat and really insidious than like actual. I don't know. They they blame they blame you for not being pure. Like you know, if you were the unclean friend, you'd get sold away. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know if it was the the energy of the story itself, but when I started reading it, um, but in as soon as I read the part, you know, that she was a virgin. I was like, something about it, sh- there's something behind the story that we're, we're, we're catching on on. That's what I think it is. We're, we're tapping into the energy of the story because it also bothered me when I got to that part as more than it usually would. Um, so I wonder what's the story behind that. There has to be something deeper. Well, I sat and I thought about this and I also listened to like a St. Lucia playlist of like weird hymnal Christmas music essentially for like an hour. Um, Dedication right there for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I I thought about it and you know, I really like this story as someone coming from like a non-Catholic or Christian perspective. Like this is really a story that for the first time I've actually been like, you know what? Like I see it. I see the the value in the story. Not like that I'm trying to like not value, but I just don't find a lot of stories that relatable. Like right. this one I find heavily relatable because I mean imagine if I was in that time and I was being forced into a marriage that I want to wouldn't didn't want to be in, I'd be like I'm making an oath of chastity. See ya. And, (laughs) you know, I think it's important to talk about this. And also, like, I've been kind of, like, working on this reclaiming virginity, but not in the sense of, like, um, like, like a born-again virgin or whatever, because I think that's stupid. Um, But just, like, coming from the perspective of, like, changing my concept of, like, what virginity is, like, because when speaking about Virgo, and you're talking about Virgo the virgin, Uh Um, like, what does that mean? Like, what does a like a virginal perspective mean? And I like to think of it as like before the world could fuck with your mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you restore like a virginal land, like your virginal hair before you dye it, like you know, just like before there was an influence on the land on a person. Period. So I've been kind of like grappling with this concept for a few months now, actually ever since like August. I wrote about it in one of our newsletters. Uh, And I just find it really interesting to talk about because I think that it's important to realize, and and if we're going to go ahead and like deconstruct some of these like old ways and these these topics and understand why that was important. Well, I think that in this case, it was a way out for a lot of women, Hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, a way out of like abusive situations out of, uh, arranged marriages, et cetera. Yeah. 
you know? And like, imagine being like asexual during that time as a woman. So I think it's really interesting to just also acknowledge that uh, taking an oath of chastity is also um, a choice of bodily autonomy. And while the world was very different back then, this was definitely a choice that a woman could make to take control of her own body. That's so true. And I think that's very important. Super important. That's true. You know, there's like no birth control. You're destined to like a life of just birthing. Mm-hmm. So this story, I don't know, really changed my perspective a little bit. Yeah, I know. And I think something about it definitely like, like hits a, a nerve or triggers and somehow. Yeah. And I, you know what? I, these oaths become a problem only when they are exploited as the standard by a ruling body, by a congregation, by a like patriarchal rule saying that that has to be the standard and you have to be this way for your husband or whatever. And that's like, no, that is not what it's about. It's about, it's clear as day in the story. That's not what it's about. It's about claiming your own body. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just been really like bastardized into this modern conception that you have to have like a fucking father daughter dance where you like pledge your, your body to like your only your future owner or whatever. Yeah. It's just, you know, like it's just been really like bastardized, but at its core, like I find so much value in the story because like uh, it's about a woman's right to choose. Yeah. Like the same thing, like my whole life, I struggled with the concept of marriage, for instance. Um, I do think it's very beautiful when a man wants to ask your hand because he wants to spend the rest of his life with you, even though we know this fucking bullshit these days. But anyway, um, I think it's romantic and beautiful, but at the same time, it's like, this is coming from, uh, uh, one of those processes, right. Where again, the man is the one that, um, doesn't ask your hand, but pretty much he's your owner now. And now you have, you lose your own last name and you have his last name. It's like your identity changes, um, your name, and now you belong to someone. Yeah, the history of marriage is very, <laughs> it's definitely as a married woman, something that I've like, had to like really contend with. And I've had lots of talks with Joe about it. <laughs> so is it, I don't know. It's like, but there is, there is like a weird, you do feel this energy, like when you do a, you know, a marriage or a hand fasting ritual, whatever, like there definitely is some kind of like, like beyond the physical idea of marriage. There's definitely like a joining of souls in a way. Yeah. That's what I love. I love the whole, um, that part is what I love about marriage, not the, you know, signing the papers over and all, and all that stuff that, that kind of like doesn't sit well with me, but the whole concept of love and, and, and unity and say, um, I want to grow old with you. And mm-hmm. then your spirits kind of um, merging and having that agreement through spirit is really, really powerful. Um, I actually became ordained, you know that right. Um, yeah. this year because my sister, was marrying her um, her wife. They're a lesbian couple. So my the first people I ever married were was a, a lesbian couple. How amazing is fucking that? Um, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so 
what I really love is that unity of spirit. So part of me becoming ordained, I really like the I playing with the idea of making it more a spiritual um marriage connection than the importance of you know signing the papers and changing your last name and all of that kind of yeah i it into it i definitely agree i think it's more so like the ritual is what's important um and not the paperwork or like you know all that stupid shit all the formalities <laughs> it's so you know a lot of times when we see women in um christian and catholic folklore usually there's like some other flip side like we can't just have like these amazing women so also on december 13th is lucy night or also known as uh lucy nada themed around lucy and that's spelled l-u-s-s-i and this night is marked by lucy an evil entity um who's been described as a demon a witch, a sorceress. Um, she comes in with a horde of ghost goblins and trolls known as the Luciferda. Mm-hmm. And then o- folklore intermingles this tale with Odin's wild hunt, which is a fun little tale for those of you who think the solstice is all about sleigh bells and twinkling lights. Um, for those dear listeners who don't know, the Wild Hunt or Odin's Hunt is a midwinter procession of deities, spirits, elves, fairies, and nymphs that can often be heard howling through the winter woods. And if you happen upon this hunt, you could be kidnapped or worse. So definitely read up on this if you want some, like, you know, snowy by the fire, warm Yuletide reading. <laughs> Mm. Um, but Lucy was said to come down the chil- chimney and abduct children and people would stay up all night to be sure to protect their families from ab- abduction. But eventually it turned into partying all night, which is a thing I can get behind, honestly. And the tradition of partying all night or staying up all night, um, to protect from Lucy is known as the Lucivaca. Savaka. Interesting. And so if you don't also, if you don't prepare adequate, adequately for uh, Yule, you'd be punished by Lucy. Um, and Lucy and St. Lucia, though they're very different, it's speculated that they were brought together to assimilate the region to Christianity by marrying familiar pagan customs. Then we also see the two Lucys, the dual Lucys in... Um, in Hungary as well. So I found some really interesting traditions from the Daily News Hungary about how St. Lucia or St. Lucy is celebrated. So they do weather magic mm-hmm. on that day to predict the weather for January. In Transdanubia, Hungary, it's customary to carve a pumpkin known as a Lucia pumpkin with two eyes and a smiling mouth and a candle inside. Right. So if you want justification for putting a jack-o'-lantern outside in December, there you go. Yes. Um, love pros- prophecies were also performed on this day where girls would make dumplings with 12 boys' names inside. And the first dumpling that rises to the top is the name of their future husband. Oh, and then there's also the Lusa chair, uh, which the construction begins on St. Lucy's Day and it has to be constructed out of nine different types of wood and no nails. 
And if you stand on it during the Christmas reception at church, you could see the witches. <laughs> what? Yeah. What do you mean? Um, what the? F- I don't know. I have no idea. I guess maybe that's like a witch hunt thing, but yeah. So, so those are like the St. Lucy's day. I just found it very interesting because like a lot of desserts and stuff for St. Lucia's day, like there's breads that are made with cran, well, lingonberries, cranberries. Um, I found that very interesting that it kind of like subtly weaves in and out of this, this folklore. Is that, um, Related to the story, did you see wh- how the cranberries are always by fairy realms and that they um, call in? Well, there's a story where they will call in any woman who goes into the forest um, and the woman would get stir crazy because she keeps following the voices of the little cranberries. And by the seventh day, she finds her way out and she's pregnant. Uh, no, I didn't see that, but that's very interesting because, um, there's also like, we were talking about this earlier, uh, the, the Finnish, uh, legendary mortal, which is uh, now I like want that on my headstone when I die. Um, (laughs) there's the Finnish Marietta, uh, and I think it's loosely based on Mary, honestly, if if we're being, uh, I did some digging into the Marietta story. Marietta eats a lingonberry or a mountain cranberry and becomes pregnant. So right. immaculate conception. And then she, everybody's like, you're a whore. And she gets kicked out of her house and she has to like find a place to give birth. And the story is very similar to Jesus um, and Mary. So Marietta's, I, I was like, where did the story come from? Whatever. So Marietta's story is first found in the Kalevala a compilation of Karelian folk poems created by Elias Lonrot in the 1800s. Um, and basically this was created in vain of the Iliad, Iliad and Beowulf when Finnish poems began to disappear in favor of the European rhyming poetry. Yeah. So Karela, or Karelia, which I've never heard of before, consisted of the land from the USSR, Finland, and Sweden. And today it's basically... Be- divided between Russia and Finland. The creation of the Kalevala led to a period of romanticism after its creation in 1835 that led to a bunch of like folklore and those types of things. So I just found that really interesting, but I don't know. It's, it's folk and a lot of the, the poems were spoken word uh-huh. So that's why they started compiling them in the 1800s. So this could have been a long-spoken folklore. Also, when searching for more info on this, uh, a lot of it's not in English. So it's hard to really source it. Yeah, I, 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 it could be from a number of different sources, too, because it's such a prominent um, story for them. Yeah. So I, I definitely want to dig a little deeper. Uh, I love reading about anything Finnish, obviously, because, you know, I have Finnish ancestors, so I find that very interesting. But, yeah, I, there's – but I find that so weird because then it also, it also goes right back to, A, what we were talking about in previous episodes about Mary. Remember? Was yep. it the pomegranate episode? Pomegranate, I believe, yes. So then you have something, a mountain cranberry that looks like a tiny little pomegranate, also causing the um, immaculate conception. Mm-hmm. 
So I thought that was interesting too. Yeah, they they do have um, an energy about them that really connects them together. Um, I for sure see that. So I had um, done a little, when I was doing my research, for some reason, um, Cranberry, I was thinking about my work. Um, Most of you know, um, I was a forensic scientist for the FBI. I still do some um, work for a special unit where we find missing cases. Um, And there's uh, something was pulling me towards my work. Like my mind kept going back to work and I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? And then I remembered there was a case related to cranberry that was really weird. If you want to hear it. Mm-hmm. So here in the Hudson river, a fireman was off duty and walking by um, Edgewater, like the river to look at the river and walk. Um, and he saw a woman floating in the river. And his story is that, you know, he ran down, um, actually had to drive all the way down, call the cops on his way down. Um, because where Edgewater is, is higher up. You have to go down that little mountain uh-huh. or hill. And he called everybody he needed to call and then went to the river, jumped in. And this is what he told the cops and everybody who arrived was she was full of cranberries. Like her whole entire body was inflamed, like up, like fat. Like she looked like she was pregnant, like really puffed up. Um, I don't know if you saw Willy Wonka when she took the gum and she turned like a big... Yeah, the blueberry, like she turned into like a blueberry. Yeah, so his description of her, I read the file, was that she looked like she was inflamed with cranberries all over her body, coming out of her eyes, coming out of her her mouth, um, that he knew she was dead and he just, he was so panicked about the whole situation that he didn't know what to think about it and just wanted to still um, bring her in. So he Mm -hmm. brought her in. Um, then when he went back with the police officers, because the police officers were like, sir, we don't know what you're talking about with the berries or the red berries, cranberries. Um, and when he went back, there was, she wasn't full with cranberries at all. As a matter of fact, they were able to revive her with CPR and she was alive. What the heck? Yeah. So (laughs) this is a real person, a fireman who doesn't fuck around and wouldn't like say that to the cops for no reason. Um, but that's exact. And he sticks by it. Like this is something that he's spoken about, um, like on our local news. And this happened about 12 years, 12, 13 years ago. And this was how he saw it. Like he literally like swears that she was filled with cranberries and he knows what cranberries are. He's worked with them. (laughs) He's with them. Crazy. Yeah. And the, the woman, what happened to her, she was jogging on the side of Manhattan and she literally fell and probably, you know, obviously she had to have hit her head, but she floated through the freaking Hudson River and she was just like out, like out unconscious a little bit. But the like, man saved her, but she was obviously protected by cranberry spirit. Yeah, that's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it definitely has, like, if you look it up in the, in the, the regular books um it definitely is across the board used for protection yes but i i can totally see that with all these stories um and just just protection of the self and the body i love it i really love it like um once i was doing the research and connecting back to like the lore and then remembering that story. I'm like, holy shit, I didn't, I never connected it that way. And now, you know, I would have loved to like meet her and be like, 
bitch, what kind of magic are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. You know, what's interesting too, uh, along with the protective aspects of this. Um, so the, you can also petition St. Lucy against the evil eye. And uh, there's Ojos de, de Santa Lucia, Lucia jewelry that protects as an am- like it's an evil eye amulet. Yeah, I mean, all I think all BIPOC, we we wear the eye. I have, I just had, re- <laughs> I must own like 42 pieces of jewelry that has just the eye for protection, including like my childhood ones that our parents put on us. Mm-hmm. Um, like my mom, when you're first born, um, we put a pin of an eye on you and then it's like a little bracelet and then it's the neck. It's like a whole fucking thing. The whole yeah. growing up with protection in the eye. Same thing with Italian families. We're very like evil eye, the uh, il malocchio, you know? Yeah, because we know. We know where the negativity comes from, you know? From others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we gotta... Be- uh, oh my goodness. So that uh, I've also seen in some books that cranberries can be used to be bro- to break up relationships. Yes. So like healing protection um, are like, you know, what people are used to, but hardcore banishment, mm-hmm. um, break up um, power and even passion lust. I mean, like if it's like real rough sex kind of magic stuff like because of the energy of how intense it could be and how fast it actually works. So you have to be very, very, very careful when doing um, magic with cranberry and be specific. I mean, as specific as possible um, because the, the magic is so brutal. It's not gentle. It doesn't like, for me, you know how some magic like knows to like move shit out of the way for you, like prepares you. Um, yeah, like we're talking about the difference between rose quartz and like garnet. Yes. <laughs> you know, so good. Yeah, so, so put it in rock terms. Yeah. Like get ready to be hit by whatever <laughs> comes with cranberry, but it's super strong for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I totally see that. And, and now like I understand the, that the story so much better just looking at uh, the whole history of cranberry is very interesting. Also, um, so we haven't really talked about working with saints either on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And then this brought up like a lot of me thinking about saints <laughs> for some reason. Well, it's been coming up in the, in the past few, well, two weeks, because you know, I have Sagrada Collective, we have te- um, BIPOC teachers there. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I myself, I do, I, chose not to work with saints, um, growing up. I mean, I had no choice when I was living with my mom until like preteen years. Um, no, actually what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> so like high school, um, I swear I had like my little apartment or whatever in my brain, but, um, saints for me, um, they really have to really, really mean something to me, like connect with me. Like they have to show up for me in order for me to work with them. So like mm-hmm. the saints that I have, or even statues, like say Yemaya, Yemaya has been in my face since I was born. So I know for me, she's real. Um, and I work with her, but it, to put saints that I don't, you know, have a necess- like a, a real connection to, I just don't, I don't work with them until they show up in my life. Yeah. I, I, so I don't work with saints like at all, like at all. Um, I'm just not religious. So, 
I, the weirdest thing happened to me one night. I, I did a dream and I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to cast out the deity fishing reel and see like what comes in, you know, let's see like who makes an appearance in my dream. If I just throw out the, you know, if I turn on the beacon, I want to see what, what or whom shows up just for fun, you know? And then, I have fucking dream about St. Joseph. What in the world? I was like, what is going on? Why? What? Was that Why? Recent? Was that recent? Uh, it was, uh, it was before, before COVID happened. Well, then research, go ahead, girl. Did you research him? I did. And you know what I went, I bought a St. Joseph statue and then I put it in the store. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. St. Joseph would bring the news of, you know, you got to prepare for what's coming kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that's really, you know, connected in, in your lineage, in your blood right now. Like, that's interesting. I love when they show up that way, though. Yeah, that, I was that's, just shocked. That's when, <laughs> that's when, you know, I decide to... Well, you know, I was shocked when Santa Muerte showed up for me. I was like, what the fuck did I do? Because I never... Work with Santa Muerte ever. I mean, never. My best friend used to be um, not. Well, my wait, hold on. She she wasn't. <laughs> I was gonna say my best friend used to be Mexican. No, she is Mexican, but she is no longer my best friend. Is what I meant to say. Um, you know, even where her and her culture and her working with Santa Muerte, like it never um, occurred to me to to work with her or nothing. I just thought she was really beautiful. And besides, I have um, the Taínos my indigenous people, we have our own, um, you know, God of, of death, you know? And so I work with really primarily with my Taino gods and semis and and things like that. But she came to me. Um, actually I was high. Remember I told, I think I told you. Yeah, no, I remember it was, (laughs) I was honestly right, right about when we first started recording this podcast, which is also when I think I had the St. Joseph dream around the same time. That's, that's, that's why I'm bringing it up. I'm like, I think it's like they came because they were trying to get through us and, you know, bring that, that protection energy and, and that energy that we need to get back to, um, worshiping and devotion more than we were. Cause I know I really, before I was in spirituality, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did my spiritual practices, but I wasn't really like worshiping. Like now I worship my body. I worship the earth. I worship the great spirit. Like it's a whole nother level of devotion to your craft. And I think that's why, um, they, you know, they were showing up for many people. Maybe not. I know it wasn't just us, but different. Yeah. We're um, not like, we're not like special guys. (laughs) Oh no. I mean, we're totally special. We're like, we're special, but we're not like special, special. special. (laughs) So Everyone is special, but we're not like... I definitely heard people um, bringing up all these deities and gods that were showing up either the end of last year or the beginning of this year. I think it happened to a lot of us where we were being called to like get back to our roots and our ancestral ways of where we worship um, and really like surround all the pieces of our lives with our spirituality. Also, I didn't realize when researching St. Joseph that people use especially like italians uh buy little saint joseph statues that they bury in their yards to sell their houses did you know that no not at all okay so so you can buy these little house selling kits 
on like Amazon, you can buy like a tiny St. Joseph and you're supposed to live. So, so Italians, um, when they, not all Italians, but, but like Italians will be like, if you, if you don't, you know, do, if life isn't going the way that you want it to go, then they'll be like, they'll dirty up their saint statues and be really disrespectful until the saint gets their act together or whatever. (laughs) So, so like, if you want to sell your house, you're, you're supposed to bury St. Joseph in, in your yard, like face down, upside down (laughs) and your house is supposed to sell, but you're supposed to dig it up and take it with you. And so like a lot of people who buy new homes, especially in, in our area, this tri-state area where there's like a lot of Italians, people have been really creeped out because they're like digging in their garden. And then all of a sudden they find like a St. Joseph's statue and they're like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) (laughs) That is so weird. Now I want to like dig. Well, I think I've digged everywhere in my yard, but definitely going to try it in everybody's yards in New Jersey. Yeah. And like I said, it's not all Italians, but there's a lot of Italians when things aren't going right. They'll be like, fuck you, God. (laughs) 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 And you're just like, whoa, that is some really intense energy. (laughs) Can we just don't it? Like, I'm not even a Catholic and I'm not going to do that. You know? So intense. People are super extreme. We've talked about that before. It's like one extreme or the or not at all. Yeah, you know what? If it, if we were like really trying to like explain why people do that, we'd be like, it's just because they're comfortable with their relationship to God, and that's why they feel like they can be disrespectful. Yes, <laughs> like every parenting article on the internet. Why is my kid disrespectful? Because they're comfortable with you. <laughs> it's so true you know um that story the legend of the cranberry you guys could order it it's actually a really good book if you have children um to kind of read to them because it's a beautiful native american story I, I i believe that everybody should buy native american um books especially written by real native americans yeah and definitely this week <laughs> yeah for sure to, like learn some things you know oh yeah i know you know what i actually was going to keep it out but since you brought it up um, cranberry is served in Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which I fucking hate because that's the Native Americans. Um, they took that from the Native Americans. These fucking nickels, <laughs> <laughs> the fucking people who murdered the Native Americans on Thanksgiving, um, pretty much took that dish from the Native Americans, and now it's incorporated in Thanksgiving, which is to me just awful well yeah in massachusetts it was the wampanoag right yep the wampanoag tribe they also cultivated uh cranberries as well yeah it's uh, it's a few tribes actually i have there was um at least six in new jersey Mm -hmm. um and um cape cod actually they use cape cod as where they would lay them out in the waters so so a good way to you know, make an impact this Thanksgiving, especially since, you know, a lot of us are going to be staying home, maybe donate to some native charities like the land back project. Those types of charities would be a great way to make an impact. Yeah. And what my family does is we actually make cranberry pie 
but we have, um, we set up a little altar, um, because we do silence for the native American people who were murdered. Um, and we put it as an offering to that altar only. Like we don't, we actually don't have cranberry pie during that because it's just for them. Mm -hmm. But we do have, where is it? Um, Voodoo Martini, which has cranberry in it. (laughs) And I I wanted to share the recipe with you guys. Maybe you could post it right on the the Instagram page. Sure. Yeah, it has vodka, um, raspberry liqueur, um, um, cranberry juice, and... I call it, that's the, the white version of the voodoo martini, the, to make it, you know, to give it that um, heat mm-hmm. of magic. Um, you incorporate a pomegranate, um, some, a pinch of salt, and if you want to make it, like, into a spell work. So what, what could happen is that you could use it for um, banishing, like if you want someone away from you, or mm-hmm. if you want to, some, to bring someone in, like more passioning your relationship. Um, I think I brought this up before. I work with a lot of menstrual blood. You could add um, a few drops of that. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, so if you're not... Well, and then with the pomegranate and everything, oh, that is like... It's a powerhouse. That is intense. Yeah, it's a powerhouse. Plus vodka, which like, honestly, vodka summons something in me that I just, is, it's not, I that can't do vodka. Word for vodka is fucking summons <laughs> something out of my body. <laughs> I cannot do vodka. I am like strictly rum. Actually, my drink of choice for, I used to be like one of those people who drinks like IPAs. And then I had a Malibu Bay Breeze, which is like cranberry and pineapple. And I, it's so embarrassing to order too because it's like ev- what every 17 year old orders when they're not allowed to drink is like a Malibu Babies. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good and I never get hung over because it has pineapple in it. I love anything that has pineapple, I'll order. I'm just yeah. so good. Um, yeah, so that's really, I have a few more things that we could cover in magic for. Sure, let's um, do it. Um, so. What do I have here for you guys? So I'm sorry if you're squirmish about... Well, actually, I'm not sorry. Like, come on now. Um, sorry, not sorry. But yeah, blood magic is really powerful. It's really sacred. Um, you don't have to be, you know, doing it. It's not a must, but, you know, I, I will bring it up often because I've been using it for a very long time. Um, also, when you get into berries and, like, really red juices, like pomegranates and stuff, it's kind of like hard not to talk about it. Yeah, it's not because it's sometimes you use it as replacements, but if you use it together, holy hell, like it's the most powerful potent um vibrations that you'll feel. And, and just unsurprisingly out. that we're talking about this like immaculate conception, like this chaste herb essentially and like menstrual blood ties into that. Yes, I'm sorry. I just slammed my glass cup. <laughs> I just realized. <laughs> I just slammed my glass cup so loud. Um, for banishing, well, there's a, a few things you can do. Um, I'm going to mention um, menstrual blood again, just for this one. Um, coffee with cranberries, menstrual blood, a little bit of salt. Um, you actually take um, mint, like fresh mint. You can get it like in the supermarket. I like to grow my own. And thyme. And the reason why you have the mixture of mint and thyme is because both of them 
together is has a very potent um, banishing and cleansing ability. Yeah, for sure. And mixed with the menstrual blood. And of course, guys, it's not like a whole bunch of menstrual. Um, for in- Just really quickly, because I've gotten this question a million times. How do you collect menstrual blood? Blah, blah, blah. Um, I personally you know, from right from the pad, I put it, I squeeze out into like a little jar, a glass jar. Um, some people put it in the, on the freezer. Um, I actually make ice cubes of them. I don't know if Chelsea, if you work with blood magic or not. I don't really work with blood magic that, you know, I did, wait, did I talk about it on here? The one time that I put blood on a Ouija board? No, what the, you're such a loca, man. I would <laughs> I would have probably never wanted to sleep over your house. <laughs> and I love spooky shit, but you're like, my God. The first time I tried blood magic when I was, I was like 10. And I, me and my friend were like, we're going to be sisters. Let's like mix our blood together. <laughs> and then, <laughs> And then when I was 13, I like, my friends and I, we made our own Ouija board and we like dripped our blood we like pricked our finger and put our blood on the Ouija board and we like wrote our names on it and then we like lit a candle for each of us and it was insane it was the most insane Ouija experience I've ever had in my entire life oh no shit the fuck (laughs) you fucking put blood on it what is wrong we made the Ouija board ourselves we used the Blink-182 Dude Ranch CD as the eye (laughs) yeah oh my goodness you guys it was crazy though my friend um she so it was like what one of the first times that I ever hung out with my friend Uh, and I do not recommend doing this by the way it's just no uh, (laughs) so I um actually I you know where I talked about this recently on the glitter cast so uh, we were playing with my my like three of my friends, but one of them was a friend that we haven't hung out. We hadn't really hung out with and her hand wasn't on the board when we were, you know, moving the thing around. So it starts telling us all of this stuff about her mom. Like it starts spill, whatever came through was just spilling the fucking tea about her mom. Like saying that her mom just like abandons her kids and like goes to California and all of this stuff. Um, and then it's spelled out evil is coming now. And when it hit the last letter, her mom walked in the room. So definitely a spirit that does not like the mom. No, for, for sure. Definitely a spirit. Her house is like insanely haunted. Her mom was like, she was, she was evil. She was evil. And my friend, uh, my friend's like not alive now. Um, I actually like, yeah. Anyway. So she, this spirit was a thousand percent correct. Like the first time I met, um, my friend, I, her mom hit her with a hockey stick in front of me. And then like another time I saw her throw like full force, like a fucking baseball, throw a glass Snapple bottle at my friend's face. She's a psycho mom. Yeah, well, no. I would she would like mom. beat the shit out of her boyfriend, and there'd be blood in all the doorways in the house. It was like she was like a, she's a she's a born again Christian now, but she's like <laughs> yeah, the, seriously the spawn of fucking Satan. That's awful. Yeah, you know what? There's then that 
they are spirits who are here like to protect that you come through but i just don't like the ouija board and so no so she came through but like i think other things came through too i like the cats were freaking out and then we were like trying to sleep we're all sleeping on this like futon and there's a shelf above us and this one box just flew off and hit my friend in the head and then we were drinking um like V8 because her mom only had stuff to make Bloody Marys in the house. So, so the grown up New Jersey, oh my God, so sad. Some, some real Jersey shore highway 36 living. Um, so then the, the bloody, the V8 just like it, it slid off the shelf, but it like levitated for a second before dropping on top of all of us. My goodness. And then I started to hear this, like, I can't even explain it. It sounded like this, like, dredging, like, this, like, weird, like, underworld sound, like, this, like, this, that, like, I don't know, like, bells, maybe? Like, this, it was weird. It sounded like a dishwasher, but satanic. I can't even explain it. It was, like, like not like satanic satanic but like obviously i know the satanic church is not like satan worshiping but like how you would describe like like the 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 catholic hell or whatever like it sounded really really like like demonic or something i don't know it was crazy and i was like i fucking hear something and they didn't hear it and then i was they were like it's just the dishwasher whatever blah 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 they shut off the dishwasher and the sound was still going and then eventually it just stopped yeah you know it's interesting that you hear that you brought that up because it just brought memory back um for some reason when i do go into haunted spaces i do hear instruments um i could hear either like bells now, um, what is this? Oh, the, not the accordion. Oh my goodness. Um, shish. What is this? The harp. I've heard the, yeah. So I, there was, for instance, there was this one, my, when I was in high school, I had a boyfriend who was in a rock band. He's actually famous in UK right now. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're doing pretty good. Um, but I went to one of the recording studios and he was actually closing up the room and I heard like so freaking loud a harp just playing and I turn around I'm like what the fuck like where is that coming from did you leave a speaker on or what's going on he's like what are you talking about there's no music going on I'm like I hear a harp playing really really loud like it's super in my ear um and no one else could hear it but it then from that time and like thinking about other times I've had heard um trumpets trumpets for instance i'll hear those i've heard those Mm -hmm. like twice this year out in the skies um so i i not everybody hears these instruments but um i'm curious about those who do i've heard a phantom piano once oh was there a piano there at all no (laughs) (laughs) i was like in my in my duplex where nobody lived next door to me in florida like just a phantom piano out of nowhere one day i really love for me, that spooks me out more than actually seeing the spirit. No idea why, but I get freaked out um, when I hear instruments or playing music. A real um, Scooby-Doo moment. Fucking shit. My whole life is a damn Scooby-Doo moment. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can edit on my whole life as a Scooby-Doo moment. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> so, 
go ahead, leave us a kind review if you um, so please. We would love that. And we love all the reviews that you guys have been leaving us. We notice. We are so grateful. Mm-hmm. Also, um, give us a follow on social media. I'm at Stay at Home Witch on Instagram or Witch Baby Soap. I'm Witch Baby Soap on Twitter and Chelsea the Witch on TikTok. And you can find me everywhere on I am Julia Diaz. And that's it. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. (laughs)